Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 10 and 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Listen, even if your kids don't want to go to church, Bring them to church. The truth is, look, if you raise them in church from when they're a child, if you raise them in church, you bring them up in the church, church just becomes a part of who they are. It becomes a part of what you do as a family. So then when they get older, you don't have to worry about forcing them to go to church. It really doesn't really work like that. It works like this. If you've always raised them in the church, you've always gone to church on Wednesday, you've always gone to church on Sunday, guess what will happen? When they get older, they'll just go to church. Because that's just the way that they were raised. And you do kind of what you were raised to do. Do you understand? That's the way it works. You know, in in our home, I praise God. And my kids, I I don't leave the home and go, now, wait, now, you guys better get up and go to church. I want you to get up. I'm leaving now. Because, you know, we leave early. We got three services here at Calvary. We leave early. And sometimes, you know, my daughter might still be in the bed. My son might still be in the bed. I don't have to say to them, well, you know what? You guys better get up and go to church and don't let me miss you at church, I think. Don't let me, you know. I don't do that. I just walk out the door. Why? Because that's the way I raised them. That's the way we do in our home. And it is an understanding. You will go to church. <laughs> say amen, somebody. You will go to church. Now, you don't have to go to three of them, but there is a two-service minimum. <laughs> you got to come to one, sit through it, and then you got to talk to people the next one. I mean, no, 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 no. You got to go to church because that's just the way. And look, if you come visit me, you know, I told you guys, you come visit me, you got to go to church. You don't want to go to church on Sunday morning, we can get your hotel across town. I ain't kidding you. I am not kidding you. Y'all think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not kidding. No, because you're not going to sleep on the Lord's time, at least not, and I know it. I'll leave that alone since y'all don't like that. I'll leave it alone. All right. But they leave Egypt, and notice they're in the wilderness, and God says, listen, listen, if they leave Egypt and they're headed toward the wilderness, and, and God says, hey, where are the kids? How do they sound saying what kids? Oh, 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 you mean you, you wanted us to bring the kids? That's ridiculous. Of course they're not going to leave the kids. So they can't compromise. They can't. Moses cannot leave the children because God said, let my people go. And part of the people are children. And by the way, should I add this? Jesus loves the kids. Jesus loves kids. No, don't leave your kids in the world. Moses says, no, I'm not leaving the kids 
in Egypt. Now look at that. That was the compromise number three, area of compromise number three. And we'll come back to number four in just a minute. But I want you to look at verse 12 right now. Exodus 10, 12. Look at verse 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail was left has left. And so Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought locusts, and the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt, and they were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. It is very possible that God created just a locust for Egypt. It's very possible because there was never one like them and there has never been one after them. Very interesting. For they covered the face of the whole earth in verse 15 so that the land was darkened and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And so there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and pray to the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and He prayed, he entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong east wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Stop right there. God told Moses to stretch out his hand to bring the locusts. He did, and an east wind brought the locusts, and they were severe, the Bible says. They covered the land. And did you notice this? They ate everything in sight, herbs and fruit, and nothing green was left. And I can imagine you probably could hear the munching sound, like 3D, of a locust. They're eating everything. They're chewing up the whole country. And imagine at this point, what Egypt was looking like right now. And then Pharaoh said, did you note that I've sinned against the Lord and you? And then in verse 16, look at it again. Pharaoh's admitting that he sinned. But saints, if you're taking notes, you write this down. He isn't repenting over his sin. Listen, repenting and remorse are two totally different things. You know your Bibles. Judas admitted that he sinned. Remember, and he threw down the 30 pieces of silver and he ran out. That was remorse. He was sorry about what he had done, but it wasn't repentance. You see, repentance means you change your mind, you change your action, change your heart about that thing. We know that Pharaoh did not repent because we all saw the movie. We know that Pharaoh did not repent because we all know the story. He didn't repent. There's a difference between repentance and remorse. Listen, if you ask someone in prison if they are sorry for what they've done, they'll say, of course. But are they repentant? That's another thing. So Pharaoh is grieved at the consequences, but not the sin itself. 
But God in his mercy, did you notice, turned a very strong west wind and took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. And there wasn't one locust left on Egypt. That's a miracle. But Pharaoh did not let the people go. Look at verse 21. Well, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Darkness, we come to the ninth plague. Darkness, which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the heaven and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. For how many days, saints? Three days. They did not see one another. Check this out. Nor did anyone rise from his place. And these guys stayed in bed for three days. And some of y'all realize that sounds pretty good, but not under these circumstances. They didn't rise out of their place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And then verse 24, Pharaoh called to Moses and said, go, serve the Lord. Only, underline verse 24, let your flocks and your herds be kept back and let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burn offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us and not, would you underline this, not a hoof shall be left behind. Moses is getting bold, ain't he? He said, no, we're not going to leave any livestock. We're not going to even leave a hoof behind. But we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord, get this, until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. And so Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Listen, this ninth plague, the plague of darkness, this is a biggie. It's a biggie. This is a judgment against several of the gods of Egypt. Min, M-I-N, is the god of reproduction. Heket, Heket, H-E-Q-E-T, is the goddess who attended women at childbirth. And Isis, is a goddess who protected children. And Pharaoh's firstborn, by the way, was considered a god. So this judgment is a biggie. Notice God is turning out the lights in Egypt as darkness covers the earth for three days. And of course, saints, this is no normal darkness. It's a supernatural eclipse of the sun. This darkness was so thick, the Bible says it could be felt. Josephus, you know who he is, he's a Jewish historian. He says the darkness was so thick that it hampered their breathing. That's interesting. It was so thick they couldn't leave their homes or get out of bed for three days. They couldn't see each other. And it does seem, here's some of the white space between the lines, it does seem that God didn't even allow artificial light to work because the Egyptians would attempt to use candles or lamps And they didn't work. The Bible says three days there was darkness. What do I believe about that? I believe three days there was darkness. So even if they had a flashlight, it wouldn't work. A candle, a lamp, anything, it wouldn't work. All the children of Israel, on the other hand, the Bible tells us, they had light in their homes. Remember we talked about Jesus hung on the cross for six hours. And from from 12 noon 
to 3 p.m., there was complete darkness. For three hours, there was complete darkness over the land. Get this. The Jewish Talmud taught when darkness would cover the land, it would indicate that God is judging the world for a most severe and wicked time. The Jewish Talmud taught that. When darkness covers the land, that it is God's judgment on the world for a severe and wicked time. And what would be more wicked, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, what is more wicked than putting the son of life to death? So darkness speaks of judgment. Joel chapter 2, Zephaniah chapter 1, you can read this in your own time, all talk about the great day of the Lord. The great day of the Lord, now listen to me closely. The great day of the Lord refers to the tribulation. The great day of the Lord refers to the time of Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation when God will bring judgment on the entire earth. The tribulation, the Bible is very, very clear, will be a day of blackness. It will be a time of gloom. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. Turn quickly. Revelation chapter 9. Of course, you know that's the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 9. Look at this here. Let's do a little bit of end times here. It's during, you want to notice, this plague during Revelation chapter 9 happens at the fifth trumpet judgment. And it's very interesting because Revelation chapter 9 seems to combine the locust judgment and the darkness judgment on Egypt. Interesting. I'll show you what I mean. Look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air, notice, were what, saints? Darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, what? Locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power, and they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God stamped on their forehead. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. And they will desire to die. And death will take a holiday. The shape of the locusts in verse 7 was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had the breastplates like breastplate of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. And they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. But in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Notice, so the locusts, give me your attention, 
the locusts and the darkness were a part of the plagues. Here's my point. The locusts and darkness were a part of the plagues in Egypt. On the cross, there was darkness, and locusts and darkness will cover, cover the earth during the tribulation. Very, very interesting to connect the dots and to make the connection. Now, let me bring your attention to the fourth and final compromise of Pharaoh. Look at Exodus. Flip back over to Exodus chapter 10. I want you to take a look at, um, got you jumping around tonight, but you'll be all right. Look at Exodus chapter 10. Now, I want you to look at verse uh, 24. Notice Exodus 10, 24, talking about this fourth and final compromise. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back and let your little ones also go with you. Did you notice that? Pharaoh says, okay, take your kids, but watch this, but don't take your stuff. Take your kids, but don't take your possessions. Listen, if Pharaoh couldn't talk them into sacrificing in the land, he would try to send them out of the land with nothing to give to God. He said, go serve God, just leave your herds and your flocks. Now, you've got to understand something here. Now, listen to this. In those days, they didn't have coinage. They didn't have currency. So what they would use for exchange or for money would be their herds and their flocks. So their herds and their flocks was like their money. It was like their livelihood. And so Pharaoh is saying, look, go worship God. Just don't take anything to give him. And Satan says to us, you can go worship God. Just don't worship the Lord with your possessions. You can worship the Lord. Just don't give God everything. Hold on to at least some of your stuff. Oh, you can worship God, but you don't have to have a truly Christian business now, do you? I mean, it's tax time. You don't have to be really Christian. I mean, you can put the, like, the fish on the truck and everything, but don't be really Christian. Don't give God everything. You see, I believe Pharaoh thought if I can get them to leave their possessions in Egypt, their affections would also stay in Egypt. Because, listen, where your stuff is, that's where your heart will be also. Where your stuff is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, Jesus said it like this. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus said the same thing. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal because the last verse says, would you read it with me? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, saints, listen closely, there your heart will be also. Lots of people use a verse like this, and they will tell you, teach from this verse, that God is broke. Oh, you got to lay your treasures up in the church. Oh, you got to give to the church. You got to give to the ministry. 
And people act like God is broke. You know, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. If you own a cattle on a thousand hills, you sure wouldn't be asking anybody for anything. God's not broke. Someone please say amen. Thank you. God's not broke. And and I personally am offended when people have teach with that in context, that God is broke, that God doesn't have anything, that you got to give your money to the church because God really needs it. Listen, God wants us to give to the ministry. God wants us to give to the work of the kingdom, not because he's broke, but because God knows where your treasure is, your heart's going to go to the same place. God knows that if you put your treasure in the kingdom, your heart's going to go in the kingdom. God knows that if you don't put your treasures in the kingdom and your stuff is in Egypt, in the world, your heart's going to go toward the worldly stuff. See, God knows that. When you put your treasure where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will follow. If your treasure is in the stock market, that's where your heart will be also, and you'll be checking that thing daily. If your treasure is in the lotto, that's where your heart's going to be also. I'm not a lotto player. I just say, you know what, you know what, because I I don't have faith. I guess I just don't have faith. I'm thinking about all them dollars I put in the lotto. You know, by the time I save up all them dollars, I got 100000 You know what I mean? I said, folk be giving. I, I didn't mean to go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, if your treasure is in the kingdom, that's where your heart will be also. And notice Moses' response in verse 26. I got to take time for this. Notice his response. So Pharaoh says, listen, keep your stuff in Egypt. Go, take your kids, take your wives. Hey, look, the men, everybody, just go, but leave your flocks and your herds because I think that's Pharaoh's attempt to keep the people's heart in Egypt. You understand? Say amen. But notice Pharaoh's response now in verse 26. Our livestock also shall go with us and not a hoof shall be left behind for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And this is what I want you to see. And even if we... And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. Notice Moses says, listen, we're taking our livestock. Not a hoof shall remain. In other words, God has a claim upon everything that we have. It's all or nothing. And then Moses says, we must take everything to serve God. And even if we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. Listen, in short, Moses is saying, I'll get my information from God one step at a time. That's what he's saying. Moses is saying, listen, when I take the step, God gives me the info to take the next step. In other words, Moses is saying, look, we're going to go in the wilderness and we really don't know what's going to happen. All I know is is I'm supposed to go in the wilderness and I'm supposed to go there and serve God. 
and everybody and everything is supposed to come with me. All the details of what's going to happen when we get out in the wilderness, I don't know that. God will show me when I arrive there. In other words, listen, Moses says, I got to take step A. And when I take step A, God will show me to take step B. And when I take step B, God will show me, give me the info for step C. Moses says, look, we don't know what God is wanting to do until we get there. So God says, I just need to be obedient, Moses says. I just need to go. I need to take step A. Saints, listen, do you know the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun? The Bible says that, there's, that, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God does the same thing in our lives. When God is calling you to something, he requires you to take step A. And God is not going to show you step B until you take step A. And he's certainly not going to show you step C until you take step B and take step A. You understand? Say amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.